Blog Talk Radio. that I made that would give people without bodies, you know, ghosts, spirits, the ability of phrase speech. People in coma, they're laying in bed, probably listening to what everybody can say or is saying, Seeing everything that's happening, but can't move or respond to what's happening. I came up with the idea for the new companion when I was watching the first paranormal investigation show. I believe it was um, Most Haunted, and it was launched over in the UK, became very famous and sort of set the bar for paranormal investigations and how they would happen as they would be shown on the television. Well, one of the tools they were using as a part of their paranormal investigations is a K2 device. And if you look in the marquee, you know, for the rotating show images, you'll see a picture of something that looks like a remote control for a TV but it has a lot of little lights on it and one button. Well, they used this device. They would turn it on and leave it, and then they would start asking questions to the haunted place, whether it was a haunted room, a haunted house, a haunted building, church, basement, whatever. And I was watching this in amazement that here was an actual electronic device device voice, the voice, really, that's a new word I came up with, device, that 
spirits can use their energy to influence and make it flicker. And that they would, the people on the show would ask questions like, are you a man, are you a woman, are you a child, right? Did you live here? Did you die here? Are you happy? Are you sad? All yes, no kind of questions. And the K2, if you look at it, has like six lights on it. I'm trying to remember how many lights it has on it. I just, I don't have one in front of me. Let me check here. Um, Looking really quickly, one, two, three, four, five, yeah. So it starts out with a little bitty green low-end part on over to a red. And the red means that it's like high power, high voltage, high energy kind of energy that's being impressed upon the device. And that would mean that the person is, you know, in spirit is very pushy about the statement that they're trying to make. Well... I've been a practicing psychic medium and professional psychic medium for like three or four years before that show took off. And what my intuition told me that the spirit was trying to communicate was not really what those people that were using the device were, you know, surmising or understanding that that was what they were saying. I felt like they were falling short on really how and what that spirit was trying to communicate. And it was right then and there that I decided that I wanted to make a device that would be that would have the same electronics as the K2 and be all flickery and you know extreme when the powers are extreme and mild when the powers are mild and try to communicate, but in some fashion have when those lights flicker, that they cause a phrase, a voice phrase to play or occur or happen. I didn't know at the time how it would happen because this was years ago and, you know, technologies were limited then as far as I knew. But I set that out as a passion, so I just started experimenting with regular AM and FM radios and really wasn't really getting very far. I had a daytime IT career where I sat on a help desk and I did troubleshooting and I know about electronics and and programming and all that kind of stuff. And I knew that I would be able to do something, but I wasn't sure where or what or how. Well, come about, I guess, four or five years later, it could have been ten years later, I, I haven't been you know, keeping track of the time, especially when you're over 50, it's like the the years fly by. But there was some time after that that I, you know, um, moved in with my girlfriend of 10 years, and we were living together and starting a, a great life together. And then she got laid off, and then six months later I got laid off. So after that we spent like, two years at home watching TV with really nothing to do, I had my psychic profession that was helping us maintain an income and, you know, pay the bills and that kind of stuff. But I hadn't really had a chance to explore and push and go to the limit that I wanted to for really developing the new companion as I know it, as we know it today. Well, then it got to a point to where it was redundant, you know, the lifestyle that we're living in 24-7 together, 
we started to find more things to argue about than agree upon, and then we just ended up splitting up. Well, an ex-girlfriend of mine who moved to Ohio many years ago, and she has two baby girls and a husband and a really happy life and everything, said, forget about D.C. because I got laid off along with 10,000 other colleagues and co-workers. And she said, come to Columbus, and I'm sure you could find work here, and that she wanted me to come and hang out with her and help her with, you know, just family stuff and, the, you know, like have a live-in uncle, kind of just help with, you know, babysitting and chores and runs to the store and that kind of thing. So I said, sure. And I picked up all my stuff, moved down to D.C., out to Columbus, Ohio, and started to plant roots there. Well, three months later after that, my dad and grandmother pass away, and my brother says, I need for you to move back to Illinois because I can't handle the family workload on my own, with grandmother passing away and dad passing away. So three months after living in Columbus, I moved to Illinois. And I really wasn't able to find work when I was in Columbus. I found a job at the uh, Westchester Golf Club, and that was a lot of fun. had to be up early, but got to go home early, too. That's another story. But wasn't really finding IT work. And... So was the rest of the nation of IT professionals, just that the PC world had tanked. So I moved back to Illinois and just, you know, stepping back into the shoes that I had after I had left school back in the late 70s to join the military. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, just helping with family stuff. Had to do a lot of remodeling over the, the next year, that kind of thing. So I just put my IT and IT pursuits on hold. But during that time, you know, I I kept watching the paranormal shows when I had downtime, and kept seeing, you know, the K2 being used, and the people that were using it were not really getting the right kind of communication from those people, right, from the spirit that are there or the ghosts that are there and you know coming forward just a little bit with the work that I've done with the new companion because I've had one functional now for almost a year that I have found that the ghosts and spirits find the word ghost and the word haunted derogatory like you know it's you know, it's, it's, you know, very, it's, you know, almost, you know, if we can use it as a word, racist, right? It's like, oh, it's haunted. That means that there's some kind of soul there that's doing something that would make people uncomfortable. And from what I've got from my communications using the new companion is that they don't like the word haunted and they don't like the word ghost. So it would just be out-of-body spirits, and out-of-body spirits occupying a house or a home or something. So back on the story, I saw the K2 being used in the paranormal investigations on the television. Those people were not getting what I thought was coming through. I picked up the next day and went into the radio shack looking for some kind of hobby kit that was an electronic hobby kit that I could use to find some way to tinker around with trying to make the device that I wanted to have where it would join the K2 technology, where it would flicker when spirit energy was around, and when that spirit energy would flicker in such a fashion that it would cause a phrase to play. 
that's, you know, I went in. And as I was going along the shelves, I found a device that's known as the Arduino Mega, A-R-D-U-I-N-O, M-E-G-A. That was a small, you know, computer that's the size of a Pop-Tart or a 3x5 card, maybe a little smaller than a 3x5 card, about the size of a K2. I found that, and the person that was working at the Radio Shack said, this is how people are working with, you know, projects, hobbies, kits, and that kind of stuff now. So I, I looked at it, and it was very intimidating. So I bought it. It cost me like 70 bucks. I got the uh, the uh, manual that went with it, took it home, looked through the manual a little bit. It was pretty thick, right, as far as like how I was trying to explain things and technology and, and functionality and everything. So I put it on a shelf, you know, by the door, so it would remind me that it was there as I would come and go while I was working on remodeling and doing demolition with family property in the area. So it would come about six months later to a year later when all the property work was done. And I just picked up side work for doing demolition and and building and, and, you know, like restoring houses and that kind of thing. I had that kind of side work that was coming and going, but I had spare time that I could just, you know, tinker. So I started tinkering with it. And then, I'm like, this is very interesting. I had a couple of projects in the book that I could make happen, but it wasn't really just hitting home with, like, something that really got me inspired. So I went out to YouTube and did some Googling on YouTube and found that there was a a couple of projects or lessons that I could use that could cause the the device to light up an LED, would make it turn on after so many seconds of time and then turn off after so many seconds of time. And I experimented with that a little bit, practicing, you know, uh, rewriting the program to be something that, you know, I came up with just as a part of working with it, you know, like, oh, like trying to use a toaster to dry socks, right? That's not something that the toaster was designed for, but in a hurry or in a pinch or something, it could be a a sock dryer, right? But who'd want to have toast after that? But uh, not that I do that, but that's something that just came to mind as I was trying to explain how using a device and then trying to use it in a way that no one else has ever thought of, right? That's where I was going with that. So as I was looking out through YouTube for different things that people were doing with the Arduino, I got the ideas like, oh, I wonder if anybody has done anything with EMF. And for those of you who don't know, EMF stands for Electromagnetic Field or Fields, right? It's just like an energy wave. Like, I don't know if you remember back in science class where you would put the magnet under a piece of paper and then you put the iron filings on top of the piece of paper and that you would see these separate lines as if, you know, like hairline um, kind of lines that would go from one top of or one side of the magnet to the bottom side of the magnet. That's magnetic 
fields. And the electromagnetic fields is something that's pushed by electricity, power that comes from the wall or from a battery or something. And apparently ghosts and spirits push electromagnetic fields because that's what the K2 responds to. Electromagnetic fields, when they fluctuate, the K2 originally was designed to be used by electricians to find power that was emanating from the walls. Like, electrical power is supposed to be shielded, or electrical lines are supposed to be shielded so that they don't radiate outward and onto other wires that are around them. Because there's this thing that's known as inductive or induction or inductive reactance to where you can have a magnetic field you know, being caused by a wire that's not connected to another wire. But if you put a, a measuring device on that other separate wire, you can see that there is some power that is being pushed somehow on that wire, and it, the wire could be by itself and not connected to anything. And, and that's called inductive reactance. The, the power and the magnetic field that's coming off the wire is grabbing a hold of the other wire and putting power on it also. There are, um, there are transformers that electricians use that are known as air core transformers where you can use one wire right that's pushing power and if it has enough coils on it that it can have the power increase just by having the number of wires that are happening so if you have that coil that has the power on it close to another coil that doesn't have any power on it and it has more coils on it that the power could be increased just by that inductive reactance and that's sort of like how ghosts work to where they can have their own kind of power but they can push it as an induction onto the K2 device or things like us that are sensitive. So the wall is supposed to be shielded so magnetic fields don't, you know, electromagnetic fields don't radiate outwards because they can also cause health problems. So it is assumed, like, you know, they say don't live in a house that's under a power line, that it can cause crazy and strange things or whatever, They'll, the jury is still out on that. For some people it is, and some people know for sure that, yes, it does cause a problem. But inductive reactance, right, it causes magnetic fields to happen, and that's what EMF is. So I was looking for a some kind of project where they are using the Arduino Mega to sense magnetic fields. And I found one. I was just shocked. I'm like, oh my gosh. There it is. Here was this layout. All the guts for making the device that I could see in my head coming up in the future, which would be a K2 technology interacting with something that would cause phrases to be played. Well, I had no idea how I would cause the phrases to play, and I was just like, wanted to jump the gun and just like, okay, I want to go and get that phrase player, because I know that I got the EMF thing here already set up with the Arduino architecture and 
you know, I got the programming here and all the Arduino stuff for the record is open source. That means that if you come up with an idea using the Arduino hardware, which is the board itself that looks like a Pop-Tart, right, or is the size of a Pop-Tart, and also any of the computer programming that goes into it, you're welcome to share that with the world or take it and go make, you know, gobs of money with it if that's what you want to do, and that you don't owe anybody anything for it. Totally open source hardware and software. So I decided to park looking for a device that would play phrases and just focus on trying to find a way to get a programming set up so that I could get the spirits to see around me that, hey, here was something that you could tinker with and play with that you could influence. So I had discovery on top of discovery on top of discovery, just like, oh, it's working, it's working, it's working. It's like everything was flowing so perfectly. Like every idea that I came up with, I would go and try it on the Arduino Mega, and it would work. Some did, some didn't. Uh, It's just because I'm trying to polish, right? But some did and some didn't. And while I was trying to and you know, get the Arduino Mega to do the thing that I wanted it to do to be more sensitive with the energies that are being pushed by the spirits. I was studying the other people out in the world and in history who had come up with things from out of the blue. Now just as a, a point of reference, when I'm talking about things coming from out of the blue, they just come up with an idea. Like they might look at this thing and that thing and that thing, and holding those three different subjects in their mind, they come up with like a fourth that's just phenomenal, and they just become inspired by it. That's a from out of the blue kind of thing. And one of the primary people that comes to mind is Leonardo da Vinci. Like, he came up with all kinds of gadgets that just operated with, you know, pulleys and and different lengths of wood and rope and everything and water. And then he came up with, like, airplanes, ideas, helicopters, submarines. He was a phenomenal person. Amadeus, or Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, famous composer. And he had a show back or a movie that came out a long time ago in the 80s called Amadeus. And he was composing music that was just phenomenal and blew everybody's mind back in those days, like the 1700s. And people, someone asked him, how do you come up with your music? And he said, I don't come up with it. And he said, it's already composed. I just write it down. So it came to him from out of the blue. Coming forward to like the eight, the late 1800s is Nikolai Tesla. And he's one of the famous people that almost everybody knows, but they don't know that they know him. Everybody knows him for putting or making it possible for us to have alternating current, that power that comes out of the wall, that powers our lights and our refrigerators and our air conditioners and our TVs and everything else. He came up with that, along with Thomas Edison discovering 
DC voltage, which is battery power. And Edison got came up with the light. If you Google Thomas Edison and also Google uh, Nikolai Tesla, and his uh, picture is rotating there in the marquee, if you want to check that out later, or you can go to newcompanion.com and just click on Kevin and the New Companion, and I have links for him there also. But Nikolai Tesla just came up with fantastic things that one of the primary ones that sort of like got his project put in the trash by his primary investor, J.P. Morgan, was that Nikolai Tesla wanted to give power to the world for free. And that all they'd have to do is just turn their light on and by some kind of power in the atmosphere would allow that light to turn on and that they wouldn't need to have cords or wires or anything. And that was just, you know, really amazing, but that also got him fired, right? And then Thomas Edison started taking over the reins for the things that they decided to keep and hold on to. Well, come the early 1900s, there was a lady, her name was Maria Orsic, and that she was getting, like, she was one of the first uh, psychic mediums that started finding its way into mainstream society. She was getting information you know, telepathically that was being communicated in some kind of foreign language. Like, they call it cuneiform script, and it goes back to uh, Mesopotamia and all those times, you know, back early, 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 thousands of years ago, written language. And if you, you know, go and check out Ancient Aliens, the TV show that's on the History Channel, that you can see there's talk about that, or you can just Google cuneiform script. I think I have a link out there for it. But she was getting it in that language. Well, she didn't She didn't know how to read that language, or she could not, you know, she could write it, but she wasn't writing it from her own mind, her own, but she was writing it from her mind's eye. Like, it's called, some people call it automatic writing. But she was automatic writing in a language that was probably 4,000 years old. Well, she gave that stuff that she got to her dad, who was a professor at a local college, university. Well, there was a professor at the university who could interpret and translate what Maria had written. So they found out that she had received information about, or given information about how to build machines, primarily flying machines. That professor just happened to be working for Adolf Hitler in the early years of the Second World War. So they go back to Maria and ask her if she can get any more information, and the information just starts flowing. She doesn't know how to read anything that she's written down. She understands through imagery of what she's writing down, like 
we all know what an apple is, but for some people to see the word apple, they would not know that it means that red thing that hangs from a tree that has five seeds in it, right, and is a little stiff and makes great pies. They wouldn't know that by looking at the word A-P-P-L-E. But she could see in her mind's eye that they were communicating apple. It's just that she didn't know that she was writing the word apple, if I can use that as an analogy. So she was just getting material on top of material on top of material about how to build UFOs and how to build um, time travel devices, actual, from, you know, as the, the books go, as the stories go, that's what she was getting and that the Nazis tried to use the technology as a way or a fashion to help them win the war and take over the world. Well, that freaked Maria out, so she sort of pulled back a little bit and then disappeared, and the Nazi thing fell on that, you know, they ended up being overtaken, and, you know, we won the war and that kind of stuff. So uh, that's another story. But she was getting information from some source. And I feel like the source that's guiding me to build the new companion, I feel like I've been sort of guided to do this almost my whole life because when I showed my family the new companion device and I explained it a little bit to them my mom told me of a story where she came upon me when I was about eight or nine years old I was on the front porch of the house and that I had a cardboard box with a bunch of nails in it and that I had string woven in between the nails and she asked me what I was doing and I said I'm making a radio now, I had no idea at the time, you know, what I was saying or whatever, what I was doing. The transistor radio was finally available for purchase at a reasonable price. Like, I had a pocket AM radio, AM radio, when I was about eight years old, nine years old, and that I wanted to make one for myself, and that was, you know, during that era. Well, come forward you know, through my IT career and, you know, experimenting with electronics and going to electronic schools and everything else, in 2004, I had a dream one evening where I saw these two crystals rotating, you know, uh, in opposite directions of each other, standing on top of a computer board. And if you go and look in the marquee, you'll see the drawing that I did, like the next morning when I got up after the dream, I went to the art program on my computer and drew it to the best of my ability. It shows like a little graph, like an EKG, you know, like whenever you get your heart beat looked at electronically, they have that tape that feeds out. I was shown a symbol of that in my dream and that there were these two lasers that were pointing at the crystals and then I woke up. So then I went and drew it. And that was back in 2004. And that was before I even had the idea for the new companion. Right? Or I think that's about right. I think. I can't remember. But I, you know, because I had started my psychic career back in like 8 or 1998, roughly. 96 to 98 is when it started for me. And then in 2004. I think what it was is that when I started my psychic career, 
as a psychic professional and that you can find out more about me, about my psychic professional career by just going and Googling psychic medium Kevin Barrett or going to templeofgaia.com. But I think how that worked was that I spent four and then four, like 1996 through 2004, eight years of developing my intuition. So it would be so receptive that I could get information like I did in that drawing of, I guess, the pre or early K2 and New Companion days. So I drew all that, put that all together, and I knew there was some kind of reception device or some kind of device. And part of what was in the dream was that they said or that the information that came through, because nobody really said anything. It's just almost like I looked at letters or I just knew that it was a gate of some sort, G-A-T-E, that it could be a trans-dimensional dimensional gate or something. I don't know, but I just drew it down and hoped that it would make more sense later. Well, as I was working with the new companion over the last two years, I was going over old notes and ideas and things, and that's when I happened upon the gate, the jump gate pick. So that came to me in a dream. And there's no way that I, you know, unless I looked at crystals in one of the incense shops and I was working on a computer program and I was thinking about the two things together and somehow it made peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I don't know. But that information came through. So coming forward... I was working with the new companion, and that was in the silent period, which was about a year ago. I was in the space right now, this time of the year, we're in September, where I was really having success to where I could have like 10 lights on the computer board flicker based on the power that's happening in the atmosphere. And then to about December of last year, I got it to where I came up with a way, like if we, I got 16 lights that go across the top of the new companion, and it starts with like, you know, yellow and then green and then red and then green and then red and then yellow and green and yellow and red and all, and how I came up with the sequence of what color should go in what location or whatever comes from the same source as well. I just picked those out of the blue. So I got it to where when the red lights would flicker, that they would add a value or they would add to a number, to a bottom line, right, or to a power, and that that power would be counted, and once the certain number of red lights and yellow lights would flicker, that that would set a power value that would be, you know, like, you know, 747 or 762 or 111, right? Or or 333 or, you know, I tried to pick metaphysical numbers from what I had known from my my career in the psych professional world and set those values. So I got the device to where it could light up when those specific values, and I got it to where it could come up with like a thousand or more, a 
think I got it to like 1600 or 1700 it was like 1680 different addresses right like if you look at like a town or a street right and then you have one street where the houses are labeled or numbered like you know 1302 and then 1304 and 1306 and 1308 and that's all the houses that are on that side of the street and then 1301 and 1303 and 1305 are on the other side and that's a specific address and i was able to come up with about 1600 1700 addresses that the new companion device could come up with and cause to happen and that i got the addresses to be represented by lights being turned on like if it was address 1304 then the first led light would light up and then the third led light would light up and then the fourth would light up, right, because there are some that would have no lights. It's a little complicated as uh, as I'm trying to explain it. But I needed the addresses to happen when the specific LED lights would flicker so that in the future when I got the, the, the technology to make the voice phrases play, that I could have a voice phrase be assigned to the 1301 address or the 1303 address or the 1305 address, right? Where it's like you got the neighbor that lives on the corner and the neighbors that live in the middle of the street and then you have the neighbor that lives at like 1319 at the other end of the street on the corner. Each one of those is an address that I have a specific voice phrase assigned to. So I got it to where it would light up the addresses when specific lights or energies would be pushed onto the new companion and the spirits in the environment were figuring that out they're a quick learner they learn pretty quickly or i think that they pull from my mind right like i'm thinking about a number or something or a value or a power or whatever and it's that same kind of communication that maria orsig got where she was getting the the information in cuneiform language that she could write down, she could see the imagery, but was writing it in the cuneiform script that they had to give to the professor to be able to translate. That same thing, the same information was coming through for me, you know, in the same fashion, I guess, for me to assign addresses to phrases that the spirits could put in my mind, maybe, or from whatever source to where I was able to come up with a way to have the whole thing work. Well, I found a device through another company, sort of related to the Arduino Mega company, where they have an MP3 player that can play up to 256 mp3 files whether it's music or voice recordings or whatever and there it was so i found a way to program the arduino mega and the new companion technology and tie it to the mp3 player and i was able to come up with a way to make it all work 
and I was surprised at how easy it was. Now, it was easy for me because it was all falling into my mind, into that place that I call the mind media player. And that if you look at the rotating marquee, and I show a picture of someone with their hair pulled back, and that they have like a TV of a woman on, at a beach or something on their mind. Now, to have a better understanding of the mind media player and how some people can get stuff and other people can't is equivalent to those those um, stereogram pictures that came back or came out in the 90s, right, or 80s, late 80s, where you look at a picture and it just looks crazy, wavy lines and, you know, distorted, distorted, I don't know, it looks like a bunch of gravel on a road, right? We're just looking at something that's just just like white noise on a TV that's not getting any kind of channel or whatever, and that's the thing to where you got to stare at it in a certain way, and then eventually the image comes out, and that you see like dogs playing or a mom holding a baby or, you know, like a giraffe or an elephant or something, but you have to like cross your eyes in a certain kind of way before you can see it. That's the same thing. At like you have to be staring at something or daydreaming. And then all of a sudden as you're daydreaming you come up with like this fantastic crazy or outcome of like chained thoughts or images as they pass pass through your mind. I call the last thought that you have before you either write something down or say something to somebody as a tail thought. It's just like, okay, I've had all these sequences of images in my head, and then they could be voice phrases as well. And then the last one is a tail thought. So the tail thought, when you're looking at a stereogram, is where the image finally comes into view and that you're able to see the dolphin. And over on newcompanion.com, if you click on Kevin and the New Companion, I have an example of one of those stereograms. It's just a bunch of wavy lines, but if you stare at it right, you can see a, a dolphin or a porpoise. And that's how the mind immediate player works, to where you get information as you're like staring at something. And some people come up with ideas when they're out jogging or when they're meditating, or when they're doing dishes, or when they're walking, right, or walking the dog, or painting something, right, or mowing the lawn, right, weed-eating, doing laundry. And those tasks are referred to as analog labor. It's a thing that you can do that's mindless, even driving, right? When you have a 45-minute drive between where you go to work and home, depending, that some nights the drive is only five minutes long, even though it's normally 45 minutes, and that you spent the whole time daydreaming about things that were pressing on you. Mind media player. And that's where the information comes through that helped me get the new companion working in the fashion that it does. So I got it working. I got it to where the lights are flickering in specific sequences out to where I could get a hundred different kinds of phrases to play. Where it's like, feed the cat, 
go for a walk, take out the trash. I'm looking at that. I like that. I don't like that. Yes to that. No to that. I wish I could eat. If you go back to newcompanion.com and look at the the, the uh, drop-down menu, what did I say or phrases or something, it's there. Just go and have a look. And you can see all the phrases that I came up with that the new companion could possibly say. Because of memory limitations, I can only really get the new companion to work with 108 different phrases. But honestly, do we ever say in casual conversation 100 phrases in an hour, right? That would be what you divide an hour into two, right? That's over a phrase and a half per minute. So it would be you doing all the talking or someone that you're listening to doing all the talking. So 100 really is enough for this thing to say, I'm looking at that, I'm not looking at that, crazy weather, there's a lot of banging and clanging happening, a lot of noises happening, just casual conversation statements like, oh, it's a nice day, or don't worry about that, think about something else, I'm happy, I'm not so happy. It's an emotional thing. And I came up with the name New Companion because it's like a companionship. Because I found that, you know, I'm living here by myself. I got a cat, and then I got seven, eight others outside. You know, I live out in the country so I can have a lot of animals. I'm the only one that's doing the talking unless I'm watching TV or listening to another podcast or something or watching a, a movie or video or something. I'm the only one that's doing the talking. Well, I don't talk hardly, and I read more and, you know, just look at stuff and listen. Well, the new companion functioning with the 108 phrases would say things that would be consistent with something that I was thinking about. Like, I would be thinking about, you know, maybe going fishing or something. And the new companion would say yes to that, or that's a good idea. And I hadn't said it out loud. And there would be other things, like I would be yawning, right, and feeling a little stretchy, and it's like, uh. And the new companion would say, oh, a nap would be good. Or do some sleeping. That's what I got in there. Do some sleeping. Then I got things in there where I wish I could eat. I started thinking about, okay, if I were a spirit, what would I want to say if I were in spirit? And that looks like there's somebody that wants to ask a question out there on the phone. Let me see if I can bring them on. Hello, this is Kevin. Did you have a question? No, Kevin. To be honest with you, I just tune in. So I know okay. that you only had a few minutes left. So I, um, so I'll, I'll just continue to listen. Okay. Is that okay? All right. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So I was talking about how I started building a personification into the new companion because it was starting to get to where it would make comments to me about 
things that I was thinking about doing, and it would say yes to that or no to that. And it's my push and my hope, right? I want to inspire other people to consider getting a new companion to help them be better at what they do. Are you an engineer, right? Are you making something? Are you a builder? Are you a developer or something? And that by having the new companion working in the background with you, and if you live alone or not live alone or whatever, that it can make comments about things and ideas that you were planning or thinking about or pondering or something, and that it could give you some kind of notion that could help point you in a direction that could help you make discoveries that you're hoping to make and maybe shorten the development time of the thing that you wanted to make, develop, build, right? Also, I have a friend, and the the chief producer of Main Street Universe has um, a band called Dragon's Head, and that he is a, a musical composer, and he's, you know, in my opinion, the lead of the band as well. He put me in the mind of the idea that I could build a new companion that would have riffs, like different, like note sequences that could be played, right? So if someone's working on writing new music or new compositions, that the new companion could end up coming up with different musical note combinations that could help them be inspired to write new music, build new music. And that goes back to at the beginning of the show when I was talking about Amadeus Mozart, that he said that he didn't come up or compose the music, he only wrote it down and that for everybody to experience. Leonardo da Vinci said that he saw the images in his mind's eye and that he just wrote them down. Nikolai Tesla, when he talked about the technology and how he came up with it, he said that he got the basic idea for the device that he invented, and that he could see it three-dimensionally. He could turn it around. He could see it with wires being added to it. He can see it with different medical or metal housings, right, and and different metal shapes that would cause you know it to be and working in this way and that way or whatever. I feel that from some source that I think that is in the same atmosphere that the spirits are in, that they sent us here, that the body has been developed, you know, and it could be the God thing, right, where God is in that same place where the spirits are, you know, just helping, you know, add a a comfortable religious angle to it, that, you know, God created us in his image, and put us here so that we could do the things that we can do that maybe can't be done from the spirit side. And by having the new companion, it sort of like joins the spirit side with the physical side. And the thing is is that you have to be comfortable, right, with it happening because it's uncanny how the new companion can say things that are sort of appropriate with what's going on in the present situation as it's saying the phrase. 
I have a device that's out at the historic jail in Benton, Illinois, B-E-N-T-O-N. Museum curator asked me to build a new companion device that would sort of be a personification of their famous gangster of history, or in history, Charlie Berger. He was the last gangster to be hanged in the state of Illinois, and that they have the gallows there, and that, you know, it's open to the public. And what I did was I went through their history books and all their notes and records and everything, and I found phrases that would have been said either in the jail, by other inmates, or by Charlie Berger himself. And that I set that into the new companion and set it into a jail cell so it would play randomly when people would come to visit. And there was one story from the lady curator that works there where she said a bunch of high school girls came in asking about wanting to see the ghost box, which is what they call it. And the lady's like, yeah, it's upstairs. You know, you just go, they had a jail or a woman's jail that was upstairs and the man's jail was downstairs. And she said, yeah, it's up in the woman's jail upstairs. So they go up and look at it and through the bars and it was just there flickering at them. And I have it set up so that, you know, there's an LED screen on it, LCD screen, so that you can see what it's saying. So if, you know, some if it says something too fast for somebody to understand, you can see what it just said. Well, it wasn't doing anything. Really quiet. And they said it was sort of boring. So they go over to the window that looks out into the yard where the gallows is. And right as they were looking out the window, the I, I got a buddy to be who has a very gravelly gangstery, you know, country kind of voice, you know, with the, like they've smoked like a thousand cartons of cigarettes over a lifetime or something, kind of voice, gravelly kind of voice. I got him to record all the voices into the new companion, and in his voice, while they're looking out the window, it said, what are you looking at? And they screamed, and, the, and it made, from what the lady curator said downstairs, that she could hear them screaming, and then she said it made the hair on the back of her neck stand up, and their, the girls were running downstairs and back up to her. And the lady's like, what happened, what happened? And she said, we looked out the window, and it asked us what we were looking at. It's like, it saw that we were looking out the window. And she's like, no, it's just an entertainment thing, and that you're okay, and don't worry about it, and don't get so excited, or whatever. And that's one of the, you know, the stories. Others happen at the same way. It can say things like, let me out of here, I need some whiskey, I was framed, you know, things that prisoners might say if they were in there. I have another device that's at a curiosity shop out in Macanda, Illinois, which is sort of like, a, you know, Sedona, Arizona for Illinois. They said that they were having pizza one night, and out of the blue it said, I wish I could eat. And that they said they had never heard it say that phrase since it's been operating for like the last month or two, or really it's been like four months since they've had it. But they had never heard that either, and they said, wow, that was really appropriate for it to say that then too. And it's building a companionship. I used to call the new companion like a pathfinder, just as like an idea, you know, helper or something, like a, an assistant to help you come up with ideas, you know, setting a path 
in a direction towards a solution. But that was very clinical, and I wanted something that's more personal, and that's where I came up with Companion. I wanted to do like a new friend or a new whatever, N-E-W, but I didn't like the N-E-W, so I ended up with going with N-U, Companion. And that's pretty much working fairly well because it, you just feel a warmth when the thing is operating. Like I have one that's over in the U.K. that a friend is evaluating and she says that she feels a warmth that comes from it. My goal is to get crowdfunding going to where I want to be able to earn enough money through crowdfunding or find some way to get a donation from someone to where I can build some 80 or more devices, new companion devices, and I want to put them in locations throughout the U.S., maybe the U.K., because i got Veronica over there, that she could be like the manager for it. But I want to put one at like Alcatraz, right, in the prison there, and have it say things. There's a couple of jails that are in Texas. They don't have to be jails. They can be like the old mental hospitals or something. I want to put new companions at these locations and see if the spirit activity that's happening there is able to influence the new companion devices. So it would have to be a place to where it can just sit on its own and operate and that the spirits as they come and go can work with the device to try to make it happen, right? So far I have five that are out in this area. I have one that's at the Historic Jail. I have one that's out at the Curiosity Shop in um, Macanda. But I have another one that's at a sort of like another curiosity shop that's in Marion, Illinois that is being, you know, evaluated there and the guy is 50-50 thinking about trying to sell it or put it on eBay and I told him to feel free about doing that if he wanted to and that they all are talking about how they're building a kinship, a friendship with this device that just says things randomly and it, you know when we're out in the world Right, and that we're going into a shop or something, and that we just pass by someone and they look friendly and they say, Hello, how are you today? or you know, they'll say something about how there's a sale going on, or there's a very interesting thing that I just looked at, or look at that, or I'm here, or there are a lot of people there, or many people here, or there's a woman doing something. Casual phrases that just are friendly, hey, how are you doing? No obligation about communication or connection or kinship or something, right? Just talk. New Companion is like the next age for intelligence. There's also a company out there that's known as United Therapeutics, and they're trying to find a way to combine the human consciousness, transfer it from a physical, biological body into a mechanical and that it could extend our life some thousand years. And I think that I'm on the brink to where I can get spirits to consider coming into the device and maybe living a life instead of taking on a new biological growth process, right, like going through being a kid. But I want to thank everybody for listening, and the time's run out already. You can find out more by going to newcompanionnucompanion.com or find out about me as a psychic medium, temple of gaia.com or just google psychic medium 
Kevin Baird. Thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you next week around this time. Bye now.